other thing I did want to announce, this past week was our General Assembly, uh, the PCA, I think it was in, um, was it, I want to say Houston, Houston, Texas, okay, yeah, all I know is Houston is the Alamo, so anyway, can't believe in all that, um, no, but um, I was asked to announce that Brian Chappell, who um, has been in our denomination for years, he was the president, is he still the president of Covenant Seminary? Uh, he was the president of Covenant Seminary for a number of years, but he is now the, um, has been elected moderator for our presbytery, and they've been doing work all week there uh, at the General Assembly, so uh, I'm sure Carlos and others can tell you more about that. But the General Assembly is, is where we call it the highest court of our church, um, where we do the business of the church, where they gather all the, um, as many as possible can come of the elders, the teaching and ruling elders, uh, and do kind of the, the whole uh, denominational business. Uh, of the Presbyterian Church in America. So uh, remember to be praying for uh, the denomination. We are a connectional church. We, we have brothers and sister con congregations all around. I think your congregation has experienced what it means to have be a connectional church, to have brothers and sisters with you uh, as you go through difficulties, as you go through uh, so many things together. Even the planting of this church uh, is a result of this presbytery. Uh, which is um, which is led by uh, several different churches. We have 15 churches. Actually, we are in a new uh, presbytery now, the Tidewater Presbytery, that was part of James River Presbytery and just became a new presbytery less than a year ago. So if we are in a new uh, Tidewater Presbytery and with about 14, 15 churches. Uh, some of them are church plants. Some of them, like yourself, uh, some of them are uh, older established churches. But we are working together as a body of Christ uh, to support each other and to see the kingdom of God grow. You do have uh, the scripture that I want to read from today before you in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Let me read that for us. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put away, put all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. But on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, passionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. 
so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, teaching with psalms, uh, spiritual psalms, hymns, and songs of thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. May God add His blessing to this reading of His Word. Today I want to speak to you about uh, something that I think this congregation has experienced in a, in a great way over the last several weeks. But I think it's also something that um, there's a little bit of confusion about and sometimes a misunderstanding about what it means to be compassionate. I want to be, speak to you about compassion. It's one of those things that we're told here in our passage that scriptures, uh, in the scriptures that as God's chosen people, we are to clothe ourselves with it. So first of all, what is compassion? What is that biblically? Here, the, the actual Greek uh, uses words that mean to put on bowels of compassion. Uh, during this time, the bowels was considered what we would call the heart, really the center of a person's being. We are to put on bowels of compassion. It starts with what we're told here in verse 1, that as God's chosen people, we have been raised up with Christ. And our lives are now hidden with Him in God. And so we are to have a heart of compassion. This is part of living the Christian life. It's part of living a godly life, a life that is pleasing to the Lord. So that even in our inmost being, we're being conformed to what the Spirit of Christ in us desires. Compassion is a, is a virtue which involves not only a, a deep feeling, tender sympathy for those who are hurt or are broken or are suffering in some way. Compassion also involves seeking to do whatever we can for those who are in need. It's both an emotion, but it also leads to action. This is the way God dealt with us. This is the way God shows His compassion for us. In the story of the elephant man, you may have read that, a young Englishman has to cover his face at all times because of his hideous physical deformity caused by a genetic birth defect. At the end of this story, he is defended by a man who is a Christian, a man who lovingly cares for him, tenderly nurtures him, giving him dignity and purpose. Somewhere near the end of the story, this young man cries out, I now know joy because I am loved. Later he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As you read this story, you begin to identify with the elephant man, so that his joys become your joys. His sorrows, your sorrows. 
You begin to feel real compassion for this young man. You want to be able to throw your arms around him and, and cry with him for all that he has gone through. And now, for what he has become in the Lord. One of your Hebrew words for compassion, Joaquin, means to, to show love, mercy, and compassion. And it actually sounds much like another Hebrew word, Joaquin, which meaning means the womb. Interesting. God's compassion in the Old Testament is like the protecting of the fruit of the womb. The nurturing of a little one who is hopeless, protecting and caring for him or her, and then showing that same kind of care to the stranger or the alien for those who are hurting around you. It's the feeling that you have when you see little children begging for something on the street to eat. It's how you feel when your, say your child is at their first piano recital. And they're playing a piece, and after a while it starts not going so well. And you hear these mistakes, and you see them getting nervous, and there are these awkward pauses, and the piece begins to break down and you see his red little face begin to fill with tears. That feeling that you have for him and with him is compassion. It's a feeling that we have when we see hundreds of refugees on the news or citizens of war in torn countries cast out of their place of living with only the clothes on their backs and children clinging to them for dear life, walking down an unknown road, just trying to survive another day. And our hearts go out to them in distress. I saw this three and a half year old child about a month ago who was fleeing from the war in Syria and trying to get to a, a camp and he had been separated from his parents. And there he was walking all by himself, three and a half years old, trying to get to shelter. And they finally found him in Thankfully, they did hook him up with one of his relatives. Compassion. Scripture says, since you have been raised with Christ, clothe yourself with compassion. Compassion fits the Christian. It, it's part of our daily uniform that we're to put on. It's not necessarily something we just naturally have. We are to put it on. <coughs> A while ago, we used to use the word pity for compassion when talking about that. And, and yet the word has, has over time, uh, received a, a, a meaning that, uh, in our society, that means looking down on somebody, considering them pitiful, considering them weak. Uh, when people used to say, oh, I pity you, they often said it with a sense of scorn. Uh, thinking of themselves as superior in some way from the, another person. But what Christian pity or compassion is, is the distress that we feel at the distress of others. It really is not just sympathizing, but empathizing. I'm going through a difficult time right now with one of my children. 
And I had a pastor come to me after talking with him about this. And they said, you know, he said, I really empathize with you after hearing your story. He said, now I mean empathize, not sympathize. Because I'm going through the exact same thing with one of my children. It is when we weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. It's also when our hearts and our minds are trying to put ourselves in their shoes to seek, to feel, and experience what they are experiencing. It's when we ask ourselves, how would I feel if I was you? What if it were a member of my family that this happened to? Do I care with people with compassion? Do I want to show mercy on others? Or do I show compassion only to those who I think can somehow help me or make my life better? Do I show compassion to those who are in the body of Christ and those who are not in the body of Christ? Compassion is one of the virtues that is listed here in our passage, it's also less spoken of in 1 Peter 3 and in other places, such as in Ephesians 4.32, which says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. It's a characteristic of those who are in the family of God. That's because God is a God of compassion. I want us to see that today. God is a God of compassion. Psalm 103.13 we read, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Psalm 80.15 says, But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And listen to what the Lord God says to Zechariah in Zechariah 7.9. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. In your hearts, do not think evil of each other. Here we see that the Lord's compassion requires activity. It is just. It requires us to do justice and mercy, but also calls us not to do evil or even to think it toward each other. And I can stand up there and say that very easily. But as soon as someone pulls out in front of me when I'm driving back home today, what's going to be my attitude toward them? I read a Something the other day, I have a prayer journal. We're going through something in church at Eastminster called the Fanning the Flame. Uh, it's, a re, it's a revival type of uh, uh, ministry for your church, and it's a long-term uh, program. But really, it's more than—it's not really a program. It's—it's it's really the condition of every church, unless you're a church plant and new, starting about, and you have a certain enthusiasm. Usually, churches. Are even that Paul ministered to were either just being planted and continuing uh, to grow in that way or they're in need of renewal. Everywhere that you see Paul's letters, he's talking to churches that, that either are beginning or are in need of renewal. Need of uh, being brought back 
to the things of Christ because it's so easy for us to lose it. We can lose it in a heartbeat. As soon as we're distracted by something that bothers us, our sinful nature can flare up and cry out and we can lose compassion toward others very quickly. Therefore, that's why the Scripture has told us here to put it on. Put it on every day. Something we actively must do. Jesus was the most compassionate person who ever lived. The Gospels are full of examples of His compassion. Actually, His whole existence, His, his incarnation, His life, His death, His intercession now for us in heaven displays His perfect compassion for us. Matthew 9, 36, we read, When Jesus saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In Mark 8, 2, when Jesus saw that the people had been following Him for three days and nights and had nothing to eat, He said, I have compassion for these people. And He fed them. When two blind men shouted out to Jesus in Matthew 20, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And then asked Him for sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed Him. Most of you know the story of the Good Samaritan. How when teacher of the law came to Jesus and asked him, what must I do to be saved? Or what is the most important part of the law? And Jesus replied, well, you know, you know what it is as a teacher of the law. What do you say? Well, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you, you do well. But then the Pharisee said, well, who is my neighbor? Jesus told him the story of the Good Samaritan. Who was, Samaritans were despised at that time. Um, they were half Jews and they were looked down upon. They were the wrong race. They were the wrong religion. They, were, they lived in the wrong place among, uh, uh, and were considered, uh, if you wanted to really cut somebody down, you called them a Samaritan. That's what they called Jesus when they wanted to put him down. Uh, but Jesus said, you know, there was a Levite that went past someone who was hurting and had been uh, uh, attacked by robbers on the road, and he just passed by him. And then there was a priest who did the same thing and passed by. He didn't want to get dirty. He didn't want to upset himself religiously and maybe somehow attain himself religious, uh, like uh, to uh, like against the kosher laws. Uh, didn't want to get dirty. Um, and yet Jesus said the Samaritan did what was right. The Samaritan took care of the person's physical needs, uh, the paid for the money for a place for to stay, uh, and, uh, and showed love to this person, cared for them, picked them up, touched them, put them, uh, took them to an inn, and it showed true love. Jesus said, that's your neighbor. It's anyone. Even someone who you may consider an enemy. Because God so loved the world that He gave His Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish and have everlasting life. And God shows His love for us not because we are good, but God demonstrated His love for us while we were sinners by having.
having his son die for us. That's compassion. That's the kind of compassion that Paul wrote about. Paul was a man of compassion as well. He took the example of Jesus and followed it. In 2 Corinthians 2.4 we see that Paul wrote this, strong letters of admonishment to those, to them out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears. I uh, said, not to grieve, uh, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. Paul had a compassionate heart for those who were suffering, for those in churches such as the Corinthian church that were doing evil, that were practicing wrong. He was still showing compassion to his brothers and sisters who were supposed to be. He had taught how to love and how to even uh, fellowship together around the Lord's Supper. And yet they had been doing it in a wrong way. And yet he still had a love and a compassion for them, wanting to bring them to obedience in Christ. You see, Paul never forgot that at one time he was not a follower of Christ. In fact, he calls himself the chief of sinners near the end of his life. He had compassion because he realized how much God had shown him compassion saving him. We see that he had a deep compassion not only for other Christians but for his fellow Jewish brethren who were lost. In Romans 9, he says, I have a great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. He says, I wish I could be accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. In other words, Paul is saying, he was willing to burn in hell if it would save other Jews. I don't know about you, but I'm not there. <laughs> I can't say that. I have a long way to go before I can say that about my unbelieving friends. Paul had a heart that truly cared for people. And that's why he was so straightforward with them. Without alienating them, he was lovingly telling these Corinthians of their sin because he cared for them. And they knew that. You see, they knew that he cared before they cared what he knew. Well, that, I, that could be said about me and about, about us. So we are to put on compassion. What else should we know about compassion? I believe that it's important to understand what true compassion also is not. We've already said that it's not the negative form of pity, where we look down on others as being less important or valuable than we are. It's not simply having a sloppy sentiment towards others, an opinion based on emotions without regard for the facts, where reason is left totally behind. That is a kind of worldly compassion which often tries to pass off as the real thing, but which is actually a, a counterfeit. You see, some kinds of compassion can be dangerous. In the name of compassion, the elderly, the infirmed, the handicapped, the unwanted, unborn, can be considered candidates for elimination from society, euthanized out of a, quote, compassion that is anything but compassion. Also, in the name of compassion, people can become angry and rage, riotous, when they see an injustice and even commit murder. 
when they're faced with other suffering. The whole French Revolution was such a movement, and many other uprisings that we see in our world today. They think they are doing just and righteousness, and yet they are killing and raping and terrorizing others in the name of what they think is good and right. On a national level, how is our country to act toward other third, toward third world countries in giving out compassion? Should our government fund the health care for all people, not just the elderly or the disabled, but should it fund health care for every single person, no matter what? Is that true compassion? It is, our, is it our country's responsibility to eliminate all disease using all of our resources to do that in countries and in places where the spread of disease is because of ignorant or sinful sexual practices? In other words, can we have compassion without justice? Or justice without compassion? Where does compassion meet with common sense? When there are all kinds of needy people and causes we can give to. Also, when we are we to feel pity and compassion for those who are in trouble by their own hand? When they are lawbreakers? Well, I considered this, thought if God had only compassion on those who were without blame, <laughs> we'd all be single one of us. But what if we do feel sorry for someone? Do we let them know it? Are we somehow being condescending to them if we try to help them, especially if they haven't asked for our help? Are we willing to risk being rejected by them, even hated by them, when we show compassion? You know, it's been said that by Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive been also said, but it is also a lot easier, especially if we give from a position of power or wealth. So, are we really to have compassion on those who reject our help, or even on those who reject the gospel? Well, I believe, at least in part, the answer lies in us realizing our own sinful condition. If you're like me, you can think back to a time when you were without Christ. They're called your BC days, before Christ. When maybe you were too proud to receive help from anyone. Even now as believers within the church, we're told that we are to watch out for pride. Even when we're seeking to show compassion and mercy to someone. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if a man is caught in trespass, you who are a spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. With each one watching out yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. When we have compassion for someone and are rejected, or when we must deal gently with one who is in sin, can't be proud of or hurt. 
and not obey because of that hurt. We must keep in mind that no one has done anything that we ourselves are not also capable of doing. Or that we may have once done ourselves to another. And that true compassion comes not necessarily because it's a great feeling that we have to have all the time. But it's because of God's grace alone given to us. Also, if we are the ones who need help, we must not be so proud that we will not receive it with thanks. That only causes us to become self-righteous and condescending, even to those who are still struggling with sin. Instead, we are to reach out to them with compassion, just as Jesus did to the woman who was caught in adultery. As Christians, we must realize that in reality, compassion is not so much an emotion as it is a choice of the will. Even sometimes we may find it hard to feel compassion for someone who has not been kind to us. And yet we are called to go the extra mile. We're called to show them love just as God showed His love for us even when we were sinners. So how should we be compassionate to others in a proper biblical way? Well, first, we are told to put on compassion. That's an active thing we're to do every day. Something that we are to do as we start our day, throughout the day, and ongoing. If we don't feel like it, one of the best things I've found is to begin to pray for a person. Begin to pray for them. Have you prayed for those who are even your enemies? Do you rejoice and grieve with those who are hurting? Do you deal gently and tenderly with others even when they don't deal that way with you? Do you seek to be tactful with those who are suffering even to those you're showing compassion to? Do you continue to love and accept others, not their sin, but them as a person, even if they reject you? Do you defend them against those who mistreat and accuse them? Have you stood firm in the truth of God's grace so that they can lean on you for strength as you lean on Christ? Have you forgiven them of any wrong that they may have done to you? Have you been willing to admit your own needs and your own weaknesses as well and confess and repent of your sins? Have you been willing to meet their physical needs as necessary? This church has gone through a time when you have been able to practice these things. And I pray that it won't just stop now. Or stop in a month or two, or down the road, when some of the painful feelings that you've experienced begin to 
Well, become less. Do you continue, will you continue to show compassion? You see, compassion is a fruit of the Spirit that we all need to put on. To put on continually. Not in our own strength, not in our own power. But the Scripture says, since we have been raised by Christ, you die. That hard heart, that judgmental spirit has died in you. And our compassion now comes to life. Because it comes from Christ. By the power of His Spirit. If you need help being compassionate, then you can learn about it by watching someone else's life who is compassionate. I can think of many people in my own life that I can look back to at those times when I become harsh and harsh, harsh and, and callous. And I can think of different ones and look at their example. How they lived a life and showed compassion even when they were attacked by those who wanted to cause them evil. We must look to Jesus, of course, and remember His perfect sacrifice for us, His compassion for us when He died for us. Not dying for good people, but for sinful, rebellious people like us. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, we come remembering that our Savior left all the beauty and comfort and glory of heaven and came down out of mercy and compassion for us who are lost and weak and broken and without hope. He bore on Himself our sin. He takes the wrath of God for us and He gave us His perfect righteousness. That's Let us think of Him and have compassion for others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are so wonderful that You sent Your only Son to die for us, to be the propitiation for our sins, the atoning sacrifice. When we were not just doing wrong and sinning and rebelling against you, but when we were actively being haters of God, haters of others, you came and bore our sin upon yourself. You showed true compassion to us. Help us, Lord, to put on compassion every day. Not just when we feel good. Let us look to the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do that which is pleasing to you. By your grace, we ask you to do this to us.